What is going on, sports fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast, Season 3, Episode 6, and we've got a loaded episode for you today. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. The first round is coming to a close. I'll tell you which teams are on the brink of elimination and which teams look poised to make a deep run in this year's playoffs. The NHL playoffs are in full swing as well. The first round of those playoffs are over. They're now into the second round, and we have some great playoff hockey coming out of those. We also got some MLB talk, some tennis talk, and some actually some college lacrosse talk. So we are going all across the board to bring you some great sports content on today's episode. But first, this episode, as always, is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. That's just the simple way of putting it. If you want to make your very own podcast about whatever you're interested in, it could be about movies, it could be about cooking, it could be about the weather, it's raining outside today, if you want to talk about how annoyed you are by the rain or how much you love the rain, start your very own weather podcast. And to do that, you need the tools to make that happen, and there's no better place to start than Anchor. Go to Anchor or download the free Anchor app in the Apple in the App App Store, Google Play Store, or Microsoft Store today to get started with your very own podcast. Today is t- Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, June second. Let's go. Everybody, and welcome back into another edition of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast, Season 3, Episode 6. I'm, of course, your host, Jack Bernie, and we got a lot to talk about today. Let's get started with, I think, the most exciting sport going on right now. It's a toss-up between playoff hockey and playoff basketball, but I, as a basketball fan, have been paying more attention to playoff basketball, so let's start with playoff basketball, and we'll go through each and every series. There are, I believe, two series that have already come to a close. And then there are still a bunch of series that are going on that are at least in Game 5. Some are going to Game 6 now. But let's start. Let's jump right in. Let's start with the series that ended a long time ago. The Bucks and the Heat. Milwaukee sweeps Miami. Uh, the Bucks sweep the Heat. I said last week I thought the series would be close after that first game went to overtime. And it was not close at all because the Bucks got their revenge on the Miami Heat from last year. proved that the Heat might have had that overwhelming success last year having Jimmy Butler ascend into the top 15 in terms of best players in the league having um, their team reach the finals and win two games against the Lakers in the finals I think that that success might be due to the fact that they were in the bubble as because it did not translate into this playoff run and Milwaukee Giannis Antetokounmpo they close out Miami in four games in game four Giannis had 20 15 and 12 Chris Middleton also had 20, and the, the Bucks were just the clearly overall better team. And so the Bucks move on to face the Brooklyn Nets. So that's uh, that second-round series is set, as Brooklyn did win last night. But let's start. Let's keep talking about this Bucks team. I'm a big fan of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I want success for Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's a rare instance in a player. We talked about this when Giannis signed his extension. It's rare that a player of Giannis's caliber, a two-time MVP, a defensive player of the year, one of the top 10 players in the league. I think I don't think anybody can dispute that Giannis Antetokounmpo is one of the top 10 players in the game of basketball in the world. 
it's rare that a player of that caliber signs with a small market team, re-signs with a small market team. LeBron James didn't do it. LeBron re-signed with the Cavs in 2006, but then left again in, two, left again, left in 2010. Re-signed with the Cavs again, as we all know, in 2014. Left to go to the Lakers in 2019. So, it's rare that a player who starts with a small market team re-signs re with said small market team. But that's exactly what Giannis Antetokounmpo did with the Milwaukee Bucks. He re-upped with them. They got him some help. They brought in Drew Holiday, who's an all-star caliber player. They have another all-star caliber player in Chris Middleton. They've got a good roster of just scrappy players that I like, like Pat Connaughton, P.J. Tucker, who will give you 40, 48 minutes down the floor, both ends on offense and defense. The Bucks are a good team. And the, the reason I'm so high on the Bucks this year and why I think they, did, they swept Miami, but why I think they actually have a chance against the super team Brooklyn Nets is because the last couple years, 2019 and 2020, we kind of gave all this praise to the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis was the MVP. The Bucks were the one seed in the East both years. We thought this is going to be a dynasty. The Bucks are going to be a dynasty. And in doing that, we kind of overrated them a tad. Overrated them just a tad. And this year, Giannis didn't win the MVP. They're not the one seed in the East because of the seasons Philadelphia had and Brooklyn had. I feel like people are kind of sleeping on the Milwaukee Bucks and forgetting how talented and how good of a team this is. And that's why I think the Bucks have an outside chance at beating the Brooklyn Nets in the second round and going to the Eastern Conference Finals. So let's talk about the team that they're going to face. These are the only two series that have officially come to an end by the time we're recording this, which is Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, June 2nd. So the Brooklyn Nets absolutely crushed the Boston Celtics and absolutely ended the Boston Celtics operation. And we'll tell you why in a minute, but the Brooklyn Nets are scary. They're a scary team. The Celtics won one game, the Nets won in five, but the Nets are scary because they have three guys. We've, we've been saying it all season, all season long since these three guys got together. Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. They're three all-world players. They're three all-world scorers. And they also have guys like Blake Griffin, Joe Harris. Like, those guys can put the ball in the basket, too. So, these Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden combined for 104 points on in game four and then they followed it up in game five the closeout came last night Kevin Durant went for 24 and 37 minutes James Harden went for 34 10 and 10 and Kyrie Irving went for 25 3 and 3 in the game before that in game four they combined for 104 points and they beat they won 141 to 126 Kevin Durant put dropped 42 4 and 5 Kyrie Irving dropped 39 11 and 2 James Harden dropped 23, 18, and 5. And Joe Harris also put in 14 points. That's crazy. This Nets team is super talented. They have three of the top, I would say, 15 players in the game. In Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. They have Steve Nash, who I know, you, I know when you say that, uh, uh, most people say, when a team has that much talent, they have three top 15 players, they don't need a good coach. I think Steve Nash is doing a great job coaching this team. I think you might not see it out there on the floor, but... I'll tell you what, the Warriors wouldn't have won those championships with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Durant if Steve Kerr wasn't their coach. Steve Kerr obviously had something to do with it, right? Eric Spolster had something to do with the big three heat winning. And I know it was a small a small change, but when the Cavs brought in Teron Lue instead of, instead of um, David Blatt, 
it, it, the Cavs won more games and they were a better team. So I think Steve Nash should get more credit than he's getting. But man, this Nets team is going to be hard to stop. That this is probably going to be one of the best series next round: um, Milwaukee versus Brooklyn, because Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. But when you look at Milwaukee, they actually have some guys who can match up against KD. Giannis can match up against KD. They're similar in height. They're similar in play style. They're both athletic. They both can. They both can score. Giannis is an all-world defender, defensive player of the year last year, as I mentioned. And you look at Kyrie, Kyrie's going to be going up against, Kyrie and James Harden are going to be going up against Joe Harris and, um, no, Kyrie Irving and James Harden are going to be going up against Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, who are both all-stars as well, who can both go toe-to-toe with them at points. So it's going to be an interesting series, and I think it's going to be one of the more interesting ones in the in the next round. But Brooklyn's just so good, man. I, I If I had to pick a team in the East based off pure talent alone, I would pick the Brooklyn Nets because Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, one of them can have an off night, and an off night for one of those three is not, you know, eight points. It's 25 points, and the other two will just drop 40, and it'll be game over. That's why this Nets team is so dangerous. And there was a little bit of controversy. Before we go any further, let's talk about what the heck is going on with these fans in the NBA. So within these first-round series, Trey Young got spit on at Madison Square Garden. John Morant's parents got um, racial slurs um, said to them in Utah. Kyrie Irving got a water bottle thrown at him in Boston. And a fan ran on the court in Washington in the Wizards-Sixers series. What's going on with these fans? I mentioned that because I was about to say what Kyrie Irving did. Well, Kyrie did stomp on the logo in Boston, he stomped on the logo, and that's people are saying that's why the fans threw at him. But still, there's no excuse for fans to act like this. I get that this is the first time there have been fans at sporting events in a while. As the pandemic's coming to an end, the health orders are coming to an end. More and more people are getting vaccinated. I know fans and players have been eager to see fans at these sporting events. But that doesn't give fans to act like... like like the the idiots they're acting like right now by doing these things, by throwing things at people, by spitting at people, by calling people racial slurs, that's not allowed. That's not allowed. Sure, you can boo a guy, but you can't throw things at him, uh, put a safety, or uh, make his family feel like they're in danger. That is unacceptable. Us fans need to do better. But I mentioned that because I was going to say Kyrie stepping on the Boston Celtics logo was kind of a metaphor of things to come for the Boston Celtics. Because today... The Celtics made a huge, huge change in their organization. And that change was Danny Ainge, their president of basketball operations, retired. And Brad Stevens, their head coach, Brad Stevens, their head coach, got promoted, is no longer going to coach. He is going to take over Danny Ainge's spot as the president of basketball operations. So, yes, Danny Ainge is gone. Brad Stevens is no longer the coach. He is now the president of basketball operations for the most successful franchise in basketball history. Wow. Talk about a promotion. I mean, coaching them is one thing, but Brad Stevens is going to have say on whatever happens in that roster. Personally, I think this is kind of a surprising move. Do you remember in 2018 when they got Kyrie Irving and people were saying, man, Brad Stevens at the helm? This Celtics team, they're the team of the future. They're the new Eastern Conference dynasty. It didn't really work out that way. Danny Ainge retires. Brad Stevens, just three years later, is no longer the coach there. 
And I always thought Brad Stevens was going to go back to college, if I'm being honest. Even if he did have success at the NBA, I thought Brad Stevens would eventually take over for Coach K at Duke. That's what I thought Brad Stevens was going to end up doing. It still could happen. But Brad Stevens is now the president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. And that's crazy to say. The dude went from coaching Butler, an underdog mid-major school, to leading the most successful franchise in NBA basketball history. That's pretty good. Brad Stevens said 50 minutes ago in a press conference, it's an honor to be trusted with his responsibility after being named the president of basketball operations. The Celtics do have a bright future. I think Jason Tatum's a superstar. I think Jalen Brown's an all-star. I think they just need to make a couple more moves, maybe get one more star caliber player, whether it be through the draft, through free agency, or through a trade, and the Celtics will be near the top of the Eastern Conference every year. So I guess the big question for Boston now is, who's going to be the coach? Well, some guys that have been thrown out there. Clippers assistant Chauncey Billups, Jason Kidd, Lloyd Pierce are the three um, front runners for the Celtics head coaching job. Billups has some connections with players on the Celtics roster. He will be a hot head coaching candidate this offseason. So I would pencil in Chauncey Billups as the favorite for the next head coach of the Boston Celtics. We obviously know he knows basketball, but that is what it's going to be. Now, if Lloyd Pierce is another name that they could look at, Evan Turner, former Celtic, a guy that has been thrown out there as well, but the Celtics will are blowing it up. And they, they're a team that expects to be in a championship putt every year. This year, they were a seven seed. They barely made the playoffs. They got a gentleman swept by the Brooklyn Nets. They decided it's time to change it up if we want to compete in the Eastern Conference. And that's what they did. They blew it up. All right, let's go. Let's just stay in the Eastern Conference and finish out these series. Atlanta, New York. Man, the Knicks are frauds. The Knicks are frauds. Julius Randle can't handle a double team. And the Knicks, after winning game two, tying this series at one, have fallen down 3-1 behind Trey Young, who's dropped 33, 35, and 27 in this series. 33, 35, 33, and 27 in the series. That's crazy. Trey Young is proving that he is one of the top 10 point guards in the game, and the Knicks have no answer for him. Derrick Rose, starting now for the Knicks, has played well. Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, but the Knicks got blown out in Game 4, 113-96. They lost Game 2, 105-94. Game 3, 105-94. They got swept in the ATL. They're back in New York for Game 5 tonight at 7.30. I just see the Hawks winning this in 5 or 6. I don't see the Knicks coming back. Yes, Tom Thibodeau is a great coach. I've called Tom Thibodeau a great coach this year. The resurgence of the New York Knicks and the Mecca and Madison Square Garden has been one of the best stories in basketball this season. However, what we know about Thibs is some of his teams don't have success in the playoffs because he plays them so hard in the regular season. And that's what's happening with this New York Knicks team. Nobody played more minutes in the NBA this season than Julius Randle. And we see... It having an effect on Julius Randle in these playoffs. He can't do the things that we saw him do in the regular season. It's having an effect on the rest of the roster as well, and they just can't keep up with this Hawks team. So the Hawks, I expect to fully win that series, 
But, you know, they're going back to the Garden tonight, so New York stand up. If New York can win this game, maybe it'll get interesting, but I just don't see the Hawks dropping more. I don't see the Hawks losing three games in a row in this series. Rounding out the Eastern Conference is the Wizards and the Sixers. So the Sixers went up 3-0, but then the Wizards won game four. And big reason why the uh, the Wizards won game four is because Joel Embiid only played 11 minutes because he hurt. He got hurt. I believe it was his groin. I could be wrong. I want to give you the exact injury, though, so I don't speak on things that I don't know about. <laughs> so let's Google his injury. Knee injury. Okay, it's a knee injury. He's doubtful for game five, so he's not going to play tonight. But Joel Embiid only played 11 minutes. And that put the scoring burden on Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Danny Green, George Hill, Tyrese Maxey, and they did not score enough to win this game. Ben Simmons struggled mightily at the three at the free throw line, and the Wizards got the best of the Sixers behind Bradley Beal's 27-point performance and Russell Westbrook's 19 points, 21 rebound, and 14 assists. So game five of that series is tonight in Philly. The 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 Sixers will be without Joel Embiid tonight. Do I think that that makes a difference in that series? No. I think the Sixers will win this series still. Even though Embiid is injured, I don't know if they'll close it out tonight. But I don't think it will go. I think they'll close it out either tonight or in the sixth game. We'll say in six. We'll give the Wizards the win tonight. And then we'll assume that Embiid comes back healthy, maybe, for Game 6, and that the Sixers win Game 6. With that being said, however, the Philadelphia 76ers, if they do not have Joel Embiid the next round against the Atlanta Hawks, they will lose the next round. They are not that great of a basketball team without Joel Embiid. He is the engine that makes this team go. Not only does he create his own scoring opportunities and give you 25 and 12 a night, he also creates opportunities for others because he is such a big post presence. He is such a big focus on the defensive side of the ball that you have to throw at least two guys on him. And that will leave open shooters like Seth Curry, like Danny Green. It will give opportunities for other post players like Ben Simmons to score. And they are missing that whole aspect of their offense, of their game plan, while Joel Embiid is sidelined with a knee injury. Obviously, his health is more important than winning, the, winning this game tonight. It's a meaningless game. You just have to win one of the next three games if you're Philadelphia, and the Wizards have to win three in a row. So your margin for error is a lot less than theirs is. With that being said, however, they are going to miss him tonight, and if they do in, indeed advance tonight or in Game 6 like I fully expect them to, and they have to play the rest the next series without Embiid for portions of it or for the whole series, they will lose the next series. That does it for our Eastern Conference. So to recap, the Bucks and the Nets will play in round two, and I expect it to be the Sixers versus Atlanta in round two as well. Let's get to the Western Conference. Let's start with the two games that happened yesterday. We'll start with um, which one do you want, guys want to start with? LeBron or the Trailblazers? We'll start with Damian Lillard because Damian Lillard is absolutely incredible. Damian Lillard is absolutely incredible. He's one of the most talented players in the NBA. But before we talk about the Western Conference Series, we have some breaking news 
into the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. And we were just talking about the Sixers and Joel Embiid. Well, we may have a better idea of what is going on with Joel Embiid. Report from the NBA app. Just got the notification. Joel Embiid will not play in Game 5 and will be listed as day-to-day with a small lateral meniscus tear in his right knee. So a meniscus tear is nothing to play with. Uh, nothing to, uh, you know, nothing to mess with. Um, so I think they're going to hold out Embiid for as long as they can before they need to bring him back because they don't want to jeopardize not only the rest of this playoff run, but next season as well because Embiid is their star player and he is the, the, the engine that makes them go. So once again, Embiid will not play in game five with a small lateral meniscus tear in his right knee. Let's get to the Trailblazers. And last night's game, Denver takes a 3-2 series lead despite Damian Lillard putting together one of the most incredible performances in NBA playoff history. Damian Lillard dropped 55 points, had 10 assists, and 6 rebounds in 52 minutes, set the NBA playoff record for most three-pointers made, 12 of 17 from three-point field goal range, and the the Blazers lost in double overtime 147-140 to to the Denver Nuggets. What? Like, how do you lose when a player drops 55 points? 12 of 17 from three. Here's why. His supporting cast did not show up. CJ McCollum put in 18 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. That's not bad. Robert Covington, 19 points, 11 rebounds. But guys they expect to score, like Carmelo Anthony, eight points. Yusuf Nurkic, 11 points. Norman Powell, a 20-point-per-game scorer, 13 points. That's why they lost. Not to mention the guys on the other side who played a pretty darn good game as well. Michael Porter Jr. played 48 minutes, 26 points, 12 rebounds for the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic, the MVP frontrunner for the Nuggets, 30, 38 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists in 46 minutes. Austin Rivers, 18 points, 7 assists. Monte Morris, 28 points, 5 assists. The Nuggets showed up. They showed up, and Damian Lillard showed up, but... It just proves in the NBA that you need other guys around you who can score with the best of them. And I think C.J. McCollum is one of those guys for Portland. He just didn't do it in the overtimes yesterday because Damian Lillard was the only guy doing it yesterday in those overtime sessions. But, man, what an incredible performance by Damian Lillard. The whole world, sporting world, the NBA world, was talking about Damian Lillard yesterday. Uh, Steph Curry fired off a couple tweets. Patrick Mahomes fired off a couple tweets. Just everybody who was watching that game was in awe of Damian Lillard's performance, and they still lost because Yusuf Nurkic is soft, if we're being honest with ourselves. Nurkic is not the same player that he was in years past. He can't give you 20 points and 10 rebounds like he used to be able to. And he, the more important thing is, is he's not a great rim protector against Nikola Jokic, who gave him a 40-piece with 11 rebounds and 9 assists on the side. They need rim protectors. They need guys who can score with Jokic. They have Lillard. They need another guy who can score and shut down Jokic. And they haven't had that from CJ McCollum, from Carmelo Anthony, from Norman Powell, from Robert Covington, from Yusuf Nurkic, guys who they can usually count on to score for them. Now, what do I expect the rest of the series to look like? I expect Damian Lillard to be the Damian Lillard that we have grown accustomed to seeing, who scores 30-plus a night, who hits all the clutch shots. And I expect Portland to win game six. But when the series goes back to Denver, 
For Game 7, I think that Nikola Jokic, the MVP of this league, Mike Malone, one of the best head coaches in the league, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, and the Denver Nuggets supporting cast will have more in the tank to beat Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers. So I think the Nuggets will win this series in seven. But we just had to give props to Damian Lillard, who could be this joke go to the who will be our joke go to the week. Damian Lillard is our joke go to the week for yesterday's performance. 55 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds, 12 of 17 three-point field goals, NBA record for most made threes in a playoff game. And that brings me to the series that I've been dying to talk about this whole episode. The Lakers and the Suns. LeBron James yesterday in 32 minutes, 24 points, 7 assists, and 5 rebounds. Devin Booker yesterday in 33 minutes, 30 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. The Suns won yesterday 115 to 85. They won against LeBron James and the reigning NBA champions by 30 points. 30 points! It was an embarrassing performance for the Lakers and LeBron. Andre Drummond, pedestrian numbers, 7 points, 13 rebounds. Dennis Schroeder, who requested $80 million from the Lakers this offseason, had 0 points in 26 minutes. And of course, the Lakers did play yesterday without their all-star big man, without one of the top five players in the league in Anthony Davis. But that's no excuse for the pathetic performance I saw from the Lakers last night and from LeBron James himself. There have only been a couple instances, a couple playoff games in LeBron's career where I've seen him be passive in a game. One of them was in 2008 or 2010 against the Celtics before he left. It was was game seven. The Cavs were against the Celtics. It was LeBron's last game in a Cavs uniform the first time around. LeBron quit on the team that night. There are a couple other games. Game four in 2016 against the Warriors. He's pretty passive. They lost that game. And last night, he's very passive. And they lost by 30. If this team, this Lakers team, I don't know, I don't know the status of Anthony Davis for game six. They're going to need him to win this series. But if they want to even have any chance without him, They need LeBron James to have a vintage LeBron James performance. I'm talking 2012 Game 6 in the TD Garden against the Boston Celtics when he dropped 45 points and and grabbed 10 rebounds and 10 assists. I'm talking Game 5 and 6 against the Golden State Warriors in 2016 when he put up back-to-back 41-point performances. I'm talking Game 5 against the Detroit Pistons in 2007 when he put up 48 points. And dropped the last 25 points for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm talking game one in 2018 against the Golden State Warriors. When he dropped 51 points. I'm talking game six and seven against the Boston Celtics in 2018. When he put up back-to-back 30-point performances in elimination games. They need LeBron to take over like he did back then. And so far in this series, I have not seen LeBron being capable of that. Being even close to capable of that. LeBron James in this series is averaging the least amount of points in any playoff series in his career. 
He needs to show up. He needs to show why he's still the best player in the world. And if he wants any chance of catching Jordan in the GOAT discussion, he needs to win this series. He needs to win this series with or without Anthony Davis. If the Lakers do not have Anthony Davis in this series, I expect the Suns to close it out in game six. If the Lakers do have Anthony Davis in this series, it's a whole different ballgame. But either way, LeBron James, I am speaking to you, my brother. You need to show up. Not just show up, you need to be the alpha and the man in the arena. Let's get to the other Western Conference series. These ones... We'll start with the one that's kind of over already, the Jazz and the Grizzlies. Utah leads 3-1. It was fun to think that the Grizzlies could get beaten this series. John Morant scored the only, I think he was the only the third player in NBA history to score above 100 points total in his first three games. So he dropped 47 in game two. And he, I think his total like points across those three games is above 100. He joined Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and someone else is the only three players in NBA history to do that. The Grizzlies have been fun to watch in this series. Dylan Brooks has been really good. John Morant, obviously, has been really good. But the Jazz have just been too much since they've got Donovan Mitchell back. He's been putting great performances together. And Mike Conley, he might not be putting a bunch of points in, but he is um, closing. He's making the clutch shots for the Jazz to close out his former team, the Memphis Grizzlies. I expect the Jazz to close this out game five in Utah. The Grizzlies are on the on the uh they're an up and coming team. They're on the come up. They are going to be a good playoff team year in and year out for the future. John Morant is just arriving in this league, but the Jazz are just too good. They got too much talent, and I fully expect them to close out this series without a big issue. And that brings us to our last series. I wrote the clip uh the Clippers off uh in my head after the uh the Mavericks went up two nothing, but the Clippers have won both games in Dallas behind Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and they are now tied 2-2. And I think the Clippers are going to win this series now. I fully expect the Los Angeles Clippers to win this series because I've said it all all series. I said it before this series. I would have picked the Clippers to win the NBA title before this series started. But after those first two games when they let Luka Doncic dominate them and they just didn't close out games down the stretch, I thought, you know what? Maybe the Mavericks can arrive and win this series unexpectedly. But that has not happened as the Mavericks laid an egg in game four. They lost 106-81. to 81. Luka Doncic only put up 19 points. Kawhi Leonard dropped 29 points, 10 rebounds. And I expect the Clippers to win this series in seven games. I fully expect that to happen. I think Luka is getting tired, and I don't think Luka can carry this team by himself. So to recap, in the Western Conference, I expect it to be the Phoenix Suns taking on the um, Denver Nuggets, and I expect it to be the Utah Jazz taking on the Los Angeles Clippers in the next round. We are going to take a quick break when we come back, playoff hockey, MLB, MLB Baseball, and much, much more. Please stay with us. And welcome back to Season 3, Episode 6 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast, presented by Anchor. 
And we, before we get into playoff hockey, MLB, and all that good stuff, we have some breaking news uh, once again in the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. I just talked about Coach K and Brad Stevens. It looks like what my I, my thought process was not going to happen because Mike Shashevsky Shishef, plans for the 2021-2022 season to be his final as Duke's head coach and is finalizing a search process with school's officials to name associate head coach John Shire as coach-in-waiting. So once again, Mike Shashevsky plans to retire as Duke's men's basketball coach after the 2021-2022 season. Shusevsky is, is finalizing a search process with the university to name Duke's associate head coach, John Shire, as the coach in waiting. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So an end, the end of an era. The end of an era. Coach K, after this season, will no longer be the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. What a successful run he had there. And um, he's obviously a legend, but I think it's time Duke moves on. It's time Coach K moves on, and we'll see what John Shire can do as the next head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. So that was just some breaking news. I felt like we had to at least mention it. Let's get into the NHL playoffs. And before we talk about the series in the second round, I have to extend my condolences, my olive branch, to the tr- fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs. <sighs> the Maple Leafs, they were up 3-1 in this series. Game 5, the Canadians win in overtime 4-3. Game 6, the Canadians win in overtime 3-2. Game 7, the Canadians win 3-1. The Canadians lose, uh, the, the Maple Leafs lose for, they haven't won a playoff series When's the last time they won a playoff series? I got to look this up because it's been an absurdly, absurdly long time. The Maple Leafs, obviously a, a storied hockey franchise. They haven't won a playoff series. Let's see, let's see. Maple Leafs last playoff series win. The Maple Leafs have not won a playoff series since, let's see. They were first in the North. They haven't won a playoff series since 2004 when they beat the Ottawa Senators in the first round. And they have been, they've had some ridiculously good teams during that stretch, and they haven't won. And, of course, they, they, they're a great team. They won a bunch of Stanley Cups way back in, like, the 60s. But they haven't won a playoff series since 2004, and they've been agonizingly close multiple times. I think in 2013, they were up 3-1 on Boston, and they were up 4-1 in Game 7, and they blew that series. And they were up 3-1 in this series against the Montreal Canadiens, a bitter rival in Canada, and they lost the series. It was the first playoff meeting between these franchises since 1979. It was a physical series, but the, the leaves were rolling before this series. They were the better of two teams. They won 3-1. But the Canadians won, and the curse of the Maple Leafs continues. So let's get into the other series in the NHL. I just want to extend my condolences to Maple Leafs fans because, man, oh, man, it's it's tough. I, I know the feeling as a Cleveland sports fan to get so close and just to lose at the last second, and that's what you guys have been dealing with. I feel bad. 
All right, let's get into the so the Eastern Division, East Division Finals, I believe, is um it's the Bruin, Boston Bruins versus the New York Islanders, and this series has been absolutely electric so far. Game one, the Bruins won five to two. Game two, the Islanders won four to three in overtime. The Islanders won the first five games of this season of this season series. The Bruins won the final three. The last time these two teams met was 1983. The Islanders won the Stanley Cup that season. Could the winner in this series have a similar fate? I think maybe. Um, I'm going to pick the Bruins in this series. I think the Bruins are the better team from what I've watched. I watched a little bit of the first two games and saw a little bit of these two teams' first-round series. I think the Bruins is the better team. The Bruins are the better team, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Islanders at least take a couple games and maybe even surprise and win this series. So that's what's going on in the East Division. The Bruins and the Islanders are in a hard-fought series. The Carolina Hurricanes versus Tampa Bay Lightning is in the Central Division. The Lightning are up 2-0 in this series. Um, No lack of high-end skill in this series. The defending cup champions look to continue their title defense against the high-octane Hurricanes. Both buildings have been rocking all playoffs long. I expect the Lightning to win in five games. And move on to face, I believe they would face um, the winner of Boston, New York. All right, let's get to the West Division. The, the West Division would be, we got the Colorado Avalanche versus the Golden Knights. And the Avalanche will win this series. They're two elite cup contenders um, are squaring off for the West crown. Um, the Knights survived a seven-game series against the Wild, while the Avalanche got extra rest after dispatching the Blues in four games. And the Avalanche beat the Knights in game one, seven to one. So I don't think that the Avalanche are going to lose this series. That's just a hunch. And then in the North Division, we got the Winnipeg Jets versus the Montreal Canadiens. The Jets quieted the Oilers superstar duo of Connor McDavid and Leon Dry stole in, in uh, Series 1, while the Canadians did the same to the Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews, and Mitchell Manor. I expect the Winnipeg Jets to win this series. So that's what we got in playoff hockey. I think the Jets, the Avalanche, the Lightning, and the Bruins will move on to get to the conference finals. Let's get to the MLB. All right, let's go through the standings. You know the drill. I'll talk about some teams that have stood out to me. And we'll talk about where the standings are as of June 2nd. In the American League East Division, the Tampa Bay Rays are on fire. Are on fire. They're 8-2 in their last 10 games. They've been on fire. They were on, I think they have won 17 in their last 18 games before losing last night. They're 35-21. and 21. They have the best record in the American League. They're absolutely on fire. The defending AL champs are showing why they won the AL. Boston, New York, Toronto, all hanging around 500. The Red Sox are 32 and 22. They're two games back in Tampa Bay. They're two games up in the wild card race. And yeah, that's what we got. The AL Central, the White Sox, 33 and 22. They're seven and three in their last 10. They have lost back to back games to Cleveland, the tribe who is playing pretty good baseball as of late. They're 6-4 in their last 10. They're, the Cleveland is 32 and 30-24. and 24. 
And they do get the Orioles, who are the Orioles are on a 15 game losing streak. No, they're not. They've lost 14 of their last 15 games. The Orioles won yesterday. Congratulations to them. With that being said, the Indians still have a favorable matchup in Baltimore against the Orioles. So that should be a good series for the Indians to pick up a couple of wins. I've liked what I've seen from the Indians recently. Um, Shane Bieber is back to being the Shane Bieber. Tristan McKenzie's looked good in a couple starts since he's come back. The bullpen has been good. James Kieranchak has been a little shaky his last couple outings, but shouldn't be anything too big to worry about. But I've liked what I've seen from the Indians. Offensively, they've gotten pretty good performances from Jose Ramirez. Harold Ramirez has been pretty, pretty good since coming up for the Indians. Um, Bradley Zimmer, if Bradley Zimmer can keep hitting, that'll be a good addition to this team. Cesar Hernandez, Ahmed Rosario, Eddie Rosario, all heating up. So that's good news for the Indians. That's Those are the two teams of note in the AL Central. The AL West, it's a two-team race between the A's and the Astros. Both teams playing well. The Astros are the A's are 32 and 25. The Astros are 30 and 24. To the NL. The Mets lead the NL East by a pretty substantial margin of five and a half games. They are 26 and 21. The in the NL Central, the closest division in baseball. And they're not the closest division in baseball. The Cubs lead the NL Central. They're 31 and 23. The Cardinals are a half game back at 31 and 24. And the Brewers are 29 and 26, two and a half games back. In the NL West, the, the Giants, San Francisco Giants, lead the, um, the West at 34 and 21. The Padres are close behind, a half game behind at 34 and 22. And the Dodgers are two games back at 32 and 23. Taking a look at some statistical leaders in the MLB. Your home run leader, home run leaders are Vlad Vlad Guerrero and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Ronald Acuna, both with 17 home runs. Vlad Guerrero, Vlad Guerrero Jr. quietly putting together an MVP campaign, hitting 337 with 17 home runs and 45 RBIs. Your league leader in batting average is Nick Castellanos, with who's hitting 361. And your league leader in RBIs is Vlad Guerrero Jr. with 45. Pitching-wise, your league leader in ERA is Jacob DeGrom with a .71 ERA. Your league leader in strikeouts is, let's see, Shane Bieber with 117. Your league leader in innings pitched is Shane Bieber with 79. And your league leader in... Uh, let's see. What what do you guys want another league leader in? Walks, hits, inning, pitch is Jacob DeGrom. So, yeah, those are your league leaders. Taking a look at the team stats. Your team, the best hitting team in all of baseball in terms of batting average is the Houston Astros at 267. The team that leads the league in home runs is the Atlanta Braves with 82. And the team that leads the league in RBIs is... Los Angeles Dodgers with 273. Pitching-wise, league leader in ERA is the, I believe it's the Chicago White Sox. Let's take a look. It's actually the San Diego Padres, 2.80 ERA. The Mets are close behind at 3.11. Leading the, leading, leading the league in strikeouts is the Padres with 577. And in 
innings pitched. It's also the Padres at 5.04. So that's what's going on around baseball. Let's get into a couple segments before we call it a day. Our first segment, what's Francisco Lindor hitting this week? Well, Francisco Lindor has raised his batting average to 198 with four home runs and 12 RBIs. That has been, what is Francisco Lindor hitting this week? And we also got to give some props here. Props to Naomi Osaka, their number one tennis player in the world. The young phenom stunned the tennis world Monday by announcing her withdrawal from the French Open, citing mental health issues. In an Instagram post, Osaka has noted that she had suffered from depression and social anxiety since playing in a highly stressful U.S. Open back in 2018, and that she goes through huge waves of anxiety before she speaks to the media. Shout out to Naomi Osaka for dropping out of the French Open. I think it, mental health is so important for athletes. We These athletes are people first. They're not superhumans. And if only... Uh, Depression and anxiety were so predictable and manageable. They are not. In all likelihood, Osaka took the court and the microphone knowing she would suffer some degree, degree of anxiety, but was stunned that she couldn't manage the situation as she had in the past. We've all been there, and most of us has. But many of us have probably been in a situation with a lot of eyes on us before when we practice our social skills more regularly. I have been, and I have anxiety sometimes, but I can normally get through it. But Osaka... Should not be blamed for dropping out of the French Open. She not be. She should not be blamed for what she's going through. Instead, she should be applauded for being honest and for for putting emphasizing self care and mental health as more more important than a than playing in the French Open. And just give big big props to um other big props go to the lacrosse world as they put together an incredible national championship as the Virginia Cavaliers won their seventh national championship and ended a 17 game winning streak by Maryland dating back to last season. Um, as they beat Maryland 17 to six in the NCAA lacrosse championship, Maryland scored four times in a four minute, 16 second span to cut it to 16 to 15. Logan Wynoskis went top shelf for his fifth goal of the game Daniel Maltz scored with the Terps a man up, and Bubba Fairman and Anthony DeMaio followed with goals. Moore made it a two-goal game with 3.35 left, but DeMaio scored with 10.8 seconds left to pull the Terps within 17-16. to Luke Weirman won the ensuing faceoff, picked up a ground ball, and shot from seven yards out, but Rode was able to make the save, and the Cavaliers ran out the clock. It was a great game. It's a great sport to watch. Lacrosse is on the up and up. All right, and that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed watching. If you have questions for the show, follow us on Instagram at Shout Sports Pods. You can DM me, slide into my DMs, DM me some questions there. You can email the show, email the show at jackofalltradesports at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail to the show that will get played on air. Please keep it clean. Um, and if you want that voicemail, I will put... Um, the voicemail number on the Instagram at Jote Sports Pod. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great week. Um, stay safe. Have some fun. Do something nice for someone else. And we'll see you guys next week with another exhilarating episode of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. Until then, I've been Jack Bernie, signing off.